I'm Felix Salmon and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Monday, November the 8th, and today we are focused on the housing market. The only thing more expensive than a used car these days is a used house. If you know anybody who's been trying to buy a house of late, it is crazy out there. There are these internet companies that are buying homes. You've got Wall Street companies coming in, buying homes. That seems to be reducing supply as well. It's not just individuals bidding against each other these days. And that means a lot of people who might normally buy a home are renting. And that means that a lot of rentals that would normally be opening up are currently occupied. So home prices are up, rental prices are up, you also have the eviction moratorium, which was imposed during the pandemic. That's expired. There's a lot of bad news, basically, out there in terms of housing affordability. And one of the epicenters of all of this is Charlotte, North Carolina, where Axios's very own Daniel Shemtob has been reporting all of these stories for months. The one glimmer of good news in this whole story is that Daniel Shemtob is here. On Axios Recap, she'll be joining us in a second to discuss all of this. Now we're joined by Danielle Shemtub. She's the reporter at Axios Charlotte who has been reporting on the housing market there. Danielle, you are in Charlotte and you have been covering the housing market there. The housing market I hear is pretty wild where you are. Yeah, you know, you had a lot of factors, like with everything with COVID, right, that were already in play around the, the shortage of the supply of homes here, both rental and for sale homes. You know, we just had so much demand. Charlotte's been a place for the last few decades that people have been moving to already. And of course, with remote work and there uh, being more flexibility, you know, that's only increased people wanting to come down for, you know, the lower cost of living, the great weather we have. You know, as you have that increase in demand, and not enough homes are being built to keep up with that demand, that's leading to an increase in prices. So you're just seeing the prices of for sale homes, the rental prices go up as you get all of this demand from people moving here. And uh, we're, we're struggling to keep up. What's preventing people from building more houses? What's preventing supply from keeping up with demand? Well, there's a number of factors. Builders will say that the cost of materials is higher. So, you know, there are homes being built, but perhaps, you know, as we all know, there were extremely high lumber prices, right? So perhaps the prices are higher because the materials are higher. Uh, supply chain issues, you know, affecting that as well. But I think also just there's so many fewer nationwide homes being built compared to in the previous decades. And so that's really affected this issue across the country. I think builders will bring up things like zoning regulations. There's, of course, debates about how much regulation is enough and, and whether that does affect that. But that's another aspect that builders will bring up, too. Do you have a lot of single family zoning in Charlotte that builders would love to convert to multifamily? So, yes. So we actually had a, a big, uh, it's called a comprehensive plan, essentially a citywide kind of planning document for the next 20 years. And the biggest thing that we did that's been a growing trend in a couple of cities is around single family zoning and basically allowing uh, multifamily units of two to three units in single family areas. So during that, they actually did an analysis that showed that about 70% of the city was zoned for single family zoning. So as you can imagine, it was a hugely contested issue. They did pass that, but you know, we're still kind of waiting to see 
how many people will use those regulations, how many duplexes will get built, kind of how the regulations are going to be built out. But that is one thing that I know city planners here are really hoping will will address the, the housing shortage. So how extreme is the housing shortage? I mean, presumably it's, it's shown up in house prices. Have they gone up a lot? Have you seen that? Yes, definitely. In house prices. And we've also seen it in rental prices, too. I know that just overall that they haven't updated these numbers in a little while, but there was a big study here that showed that there was a shortage of 34,000 affordable housing units. And of course, those are, are units that are for folks making below the area median income. So there's a shortage for those who are lower income. And then there's obviously also a shortage just for people trying to buy your, you know, starter home. The price of a starter home has gone up dramatically here. You know, you used to be able to find homes for the 200,000s and now the median price is well into the 300,000s just in the last few years. As a New Yorker, I'm like, that's a parking spot. Yes, right. It's all relative. But that's part of the issue because there are people in New York saying, you know, this is a great deal. I can move down. I mean, we actually I think I think it was uh, the New York Times or another national outlet that was doing an analysis of where people are moving from. And the biggest place people were moving to Charlotte from was was New York. And so if you live in New York and real estate is a million dollars and you can get a house here for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, of course, that's a great deal to you. But it's all relative, because if you've been here your whole life and you've seen house prices increase, then three hundred fifty thousand dollars is is quite a lot to you. One area which definitely has $350 or $350,000 even to spend on apartments or houses is BlackRock and other big Wall Street investment funds. Have they been moving into Charlotte as well? Yes, absolutely. So there was an initial push into the area as there was across the country right after the, the Great Recession when you had the federal government essentially selling these properties, uh, foreclosed properties in bulk to these investors like Tricon and American Homes for Rent. And that was kind of how they emerged both locally and, and just in general. But we've also seen that continued, especially in this housing market there is definitely demand for rental. First of all, there's demand for rental in general, right? Because we have a shortage both in terms of rental and in terms of for sale. But you have to think too, there is certainly demand for rental single family housing, especially if people can't afford to purchase those homes. You know, they might be desiring to live in that neighborhood and to send their kids to the schools there and things like that, but they might not be able to, you know, afford to purchase a home there. So there's definitely a big demand for that. And I think that the companies see that and have continued to acquire homes. They own about 11,000 homes in the Mecklenburg County, which is, is the county that encompasses Charlotte and a couple other towns. So it's gone from zero to 11,000 in about a decade. And presumably, I guess what you're saying is that the margin is a little bit worse for home buyers because there are fewer homes to buy and a little bit better for renters because there are that 11,000 more homes available for rent. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I also think it's all connected, though, because if you were not able to buy a home, a starter homes, especially, you know, the these Wall Street investors are concentrating on generally these kind of lower priced starter type homes that perhaps, you know, traditionally a family would be buying their first home might be interested in. And so, you know, you hear reports from realtors of they're trying to help someone buy a home. And every time they go in, there's like, 10 to 20 investors that have already made all cash offers, right? And, and it's hard for their buyers to compete. So you hear that. And also the other side of things that it does open up rental housing opportunities for people. But I think it's all cyclical because you have people who might want to buy, right? Who might be getting priced out of the market, who might then be having to rent for longer. And so that contributes to the rental shortage. And what's happening with the rental market? There are, there are certainly disparities. I think that 
tens of thousands of renters. I believe it's uh, somewhere around 25,000 renters in the county are behind on rent in some way, shape or form. You know, there are federal programs to help people that uh, this rental assistance that's being distributed by Charlotte and by basically every city and, and county and towns across the country. There have been challenges in getting it out because it's such a large amount of money and there's so many people in need who've applied. But that certainly helped stave off some of the evictions. We haven't seen a massive wave yet, but we're also still dealing with the backlog of cases that were filed during that over a year that that eviction moratorium was in place. Uh, in terms of homelessness, that's definitely been an increasing issue. We have seen about a 54% increase in the homeless population year over year. And um, the eviction moratorium, I think there are concerns as well that that being lifted could add to that even further as folks who might have been able to stay in their homes while the moratorium was in place now getting evicted might end up on the streets. So the big trends as we look forwards would be that as the sort of eviction backlog makes its way through the courts that's going to shake up the rental market and in terms of the ownership market the long-term vision is more duplexes and triplexes which could increase supply but that's still a few years down the line and we're still going to be a pretty tight market for the foreseeable future yeah i think that's absolutely right i mean i think it really it will be interesting to see how that uh, duplex and triplex construction shapes up. There already is more movement towards things like condos or townhomes because of the prices of single family homes, right? So I certainly think there would be a demand for it. And, and I think it's just a question of, of how much is going to get billed. You know, there's still, you still have to go through zoning. Uh, you don't have to get zoning approval like you did before, right? That was the big challenge is that you would have to go to the zoning board and say, I want to build a triplex, you know, unit. Uh, and so that obviously adds a lot of cost and, and time to the process. But I do think that, you know, there are still barriers to building that. There's still uh, a lot of questions about which neighborhoods they'll get built in. There's concerns from some of the neighborhoods that it could actually add to gentrification. So there's a lot of layers there that I think we just don't know the answers to. Daniel Chemtov, thanks so much for joining. I have to say I'm, I'm recording this from my 240-plex unit in New York City, so it can get denser, I can assure you. Danielle, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. What I'm watching today is Tesla stock. It opened down about 6%. It recovered. By the afternoon, it was down about 3%. This is a normal Monday for Tesla stock. But there's a reason this time. It's not just normal intraday volatility. The reason is that Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, decided that he was going to run a Twitter poll over the weekend and ask all of his Twitter followers and anyone else whether he should sell 10% of his Tesla stock. The result was Yes, he should. About 60% of them said, do it, Elon. So he presumptively is going to do it. He's going to end up owing roughly $4 billion in capital gains taxes on this. That's a $4 billion tax payment to the US government that he would not normally have to make because normally billionaires like Elon Musk don't ever sell their shares. They just borrow money against them. Senator Ron Wyden wanted to change that. He wanted to force billionaires to pay capital gains tax even if they didn't sell their shares. That proposal ended up going nowhere. So Elon and Wyden wind up getting into a big fight on Twitter this weekend. I would highly recommend not looking it up. There was a bunch of juvenile name calling, much more heat than light. But that's how public policy is maybe made these days with Twitter polls and Elon Musk tweets that we don't like to read. Welcome to 2021, people.
And before we go, I'd like to recommend one more podcast you may like. Quartz Obsession comes out every week from Quartz. Reporters from their global newsroom are digging into the fascinating facets of some object, where it came from, how it got to us. It is hosted by my great ex-colleague from Reuters Days, Kira Bindrim. She is brilliant. And so whether you're interested in instant ramen or QR codes or sweatpants, listen to Quartz Obsession wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Felix Salmon, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.